Okay. So we discussed how we need the oil. And the oil, we said, is this idea of Chochmo. Chochmo is Kayachma. What is Kayachma? It's that utter abnegation in relation to the divine nothing. Sounds so weird in English, right? Okay. The divine nothing, right? The idea that the the ayin, which we discussed yesterday, what it means by ayin, the nothing, um, how that captures you, it captivates you, right? pulls you away from everything else, right? And that's that capacity to be um, enchanted like that, to be, to be pulled that way by the divine ayin, that capacity is called chachman, that is the oil. And when that sense is, um, when that sense extends into something more cognitive that you can reason about, make sense of, etc. Right? Then that's called Bina. And those are the Yod and the He of the divine name manifesting in the soul of the person. Like this. Now we're at the last paragraph on, on page 39. Like we see, Shepitoy, suddenly, Yekona Lev HaChumri Megasos Shalot that the material heart will be um, subjugated, will be surrendered, quelled, that's a good word, quelled from its coarseness. And the desires of one's heart will fall away um, in the presence of the living God. To arouse him to complete truth from the depths of a heart. That's what we mean here by a broken heart. Vinidke and um, it's a good word for nidke. Crushed. In other words, like this: that that sense of God that captures the person, captivates the person. What happens? The person no longer wants the material things. They no longer desire those material things. Right? Those things lose their meaning to the person, and they want to return to Hashem. This is the idea of the wick burning with the divine light through the oil that's drawn in it. In other words, when that kayachma, when that chachma gives a person a sense of wanting to leave all of the crassness, all of the mundaneness behind and just want to return to Hashem, that's the sense of chachma. And that sense, right, that sense of Chachma, as long as that's there, one's capacity to um, be aware of Hashem and to, to ponder Hashem, reflect Hashem in a way that's, that's real and genuine is going to be there and stable, right? That's the, like the oil keeps the dark flame on the wick. V'hainu. Shem and toiv, This is the idea of the good oil which flows well through the wick. But if it doesn't flow well through the wick, then the divine light cannot really be held by one's physical intellect and emotions. Right? So if, there's, if you have this experience of, of the Chachma, it doesn't guarantee that things are going to last. So then think physically with the wick. If you have a physical wick and you have oil, but the oil doesn't flow nicely through the wick, Let's say the wick's material isn't absorbent enough, right? Well, then what's going to happen is it doesn't matter that you have oil. The fire will extinguish. Or conversely, what happens if the oil um, has uh, impurities in it that make it not flow well through the wick? Right? So there are things that can corrupt this process. Right? It's not guaranteed that because you have a chachma experience, it translates into a stable thing, right? Because the the chachma has to, has to be able to be absorbed in your psyche the way that the oil has to flow and be absorbed in the wick. Good? V'nimtza, she'shem and hazeh, comes out of this oil, zeh ha'garim delikas gavna or ha'shachar, is what causes the kindling of the dark fire, she'nikr she'l heves yudkei, 
which is called the flame of Yud, yud and Hay, where that's the Chachma Bina. Which burns away slowly, little by little, the wick, Shuaguf, which is the body. Again, body here doesn't just mean your physical body, it means the whole human being. To be subsumed within this godly light. What does the godly light mean? To be moved um, in, with this kind of divine passion. Um, this desire, the Yimshach's man rav, and that should continue for an extended time, never to extinguish the dilemate, and this is sufficient to the understanding. Okay, so the key here, notice, is not the learning and understanding of ideas, the key here is not the um, self control and regulating your behavior, the key is to somehow facilitate this kind of a chachma sense. And that that Chachma sense should be able to flow through your human psyche the way the oil flows through the wick. And then the ideas and understanding of God will actually take hold and take root and, and make you a more godly person in your life. So now I understand what you mean by not training. That's right. Now, you may need to train yourself to get the stuff that's making this process not happen go away. Um, okay, so that's the first value of the oil. So that's how the oil facilitates the dark fire. The te'eles habeis, the second benefit, men of the oil, zel behirus ha'or halavan ha'ayin shebin That is the, the bright white light, that superior quality of the soul, shenikr nehor ha'chavir, it's called the, the white radiance, shulafit slilas Hashem. This depends on the clarity of the oil. In other words, like this. Even if the oil, this is my point, even if the oil flows through the wick, well, right? It's the kind of oil that absorbs into the wick. It's the kind of wick that can absorb the oil. That does not guarantee you get white light. Okay, so for instance, why should you use olive oil for Hanukkah candles or Shabbos candles? Right, it produces a very clean light. Now, by the way, therefore, some people are of the opinion that Given that, nowadays where we have paraffin that also burns just as cleanly, that there's no real reason not to use paraffin. But people do that for Shabbos, no? What's that? I, I, you know, if you look, one of the reasons why, why in halacha that you're supposed to use olive oil is because oh. it burns cleanly and produces that nice, radiant white light. Whereas, say, let's say you were burning other materials the light doesn't, the other kinds of fats, they don't necessarily burn as cleanly, okay? Um, for that purposes, in that sense, paraffin is, is halachically equivalent to, uh, so like paraffin candles and things like that. Um, there, there may be other reasons why people would prefer to use oil. For Hanukkah, for instance, obviously the miracle happened with olive oil. Okay, so it has to do with the, the, the clearness of the oil. Because the oil itself is eradicated um, in the light that draws it in, right? The, the, the fire draws the oil in and then burns the oil and then nothing is left. And if that process happens smoothly and cleanly, it produces that radiance. Okay. So what is this idea? This Kayachma, this chachma that we said is what's called the oil, yeshba beis madrig. It actually has two levels. In other words, just like the oil has two qualities, right? That one that facilitates the dark light, one that facilitates the white light. So two chachma is going to have to have two levels. Ha'alef, kamay shabav and nimshach menahelim, sorry, legili. One is how it comes from a hidden to revealed state. And this is what, what, what brings one to a state of subjugation and surrender of the yesh, that which is tangible to the ayin, to the divine nothingness. Even in the body. To break the hold of the physicality on the person. Okay. In other words, this is the idea of how that, that sense engages with 
our physical lives. Our physical lives, we care about things other than God. We're drawn to things other than God. Things other than God make sense, so et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the chachma, it, it uses that part of our life as the medium, as the, 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 the sandbox where it plays out its sense of God. And how does that play out? By causing those qualities to surrender, to, to um, become subsumed in a more godly experience. Okay? The idea that something comes from a hidden to a revealed state means it has to manifest through something. So, now, here's the thing. If, if it's manifesting through something, is it the thing as it truly is? So think about it like this. If, if you're explaining something to someone else, the, what you're saying is a, is a mixture of what you're trying to convey and the way they would under, be able to understand it, right? So this level of chachma is a lower level of chachma. It's chachma as the chachma is manifesting through the, the human being. Right? So to, to use more technical terms, if Chachma is about a total bittel to the ayin, this is about making the other thing, the yesh, bittel to the ayin. So there's some element of the yesh. There's some element of the separateness, of the cognitive process of the human being, of the emotions of the human being. All those things have, have, to, be, have to be incorporated into that in some way. And so you're not getting a pure manifestation of, of Chachma. Vabez. So the second thing. This is the Kayachma as it's in its root, which is the actual divine nothingness itself. So the Chachma is found from nothing. from nothing. So this is a different idea. This is just that the Chachma is itself a just sense of the Ayin. It's not bringing that sensitivity to the Ayin into other things and having it play out as it, as it affects other things. It's that thing itself. Um, I want to give you a physical analogy. It's not a precise analogy, but it illustrates the point. Okay. There are some qualities of things that you cannot see, you cannot experience when you look directly at the thing, when you engage the thing itself. Okay. This is not a perfect analogy, but it illustrates something. So for instance, if you look at this picture, you can see its shape, right? It's a quality that's actually in it. It is the shape. It is clear, right? You can feel its texture, right? So there are things where you can just experience it as it is, and there's certain things about it that you can know, right? How do you know how fragile it is, though? That's right, so it has to interact with, right? In other words, if all I'm doing is engaging it, right, it, it's, I'll never have any sense of its fragility, right? Its fragility is in its interaction, right? So, there's a quality of chachma that it brings bittel to something which is not bittel. It brings that sense of God to those things which are not sensitive to God. That quality of chachma is chachma itself or is a kind of external manifestation of chachma. And that's that lower level we've been talking about until now. And that causes a person to what? To let go of their animal nature, to let go of their obsession with ungodly things, to see mundane life as not having intrinsic value when it's devoid of God, etc., etc., etc. But if you erase, you know, the notion of, think of, of the yesh, of the other thing, that quality doesn't, is meaningless anymore. Make sense? It's like teaching. You can only teach if you have... Students, no students, you'll never see someone's teaching abilities. But now what's the second level? The second level, the higher level, is the Chachma as it is on its own, which is just how the Chachma is a sense of the divine nothingness. Just that kind of a pure experience, a pure sense of that. This idea that in every soul, 
an innate bittel to godliness, liyes bechinas ayin mamish, that the soul should be literally ayin. V'loy liyes bittel yesh bovad, not simply to negate the yesh. Kiyudua, as is known, I'm going to explain what this means in a second. Finish the paragraph. This is the idea of low, of extra lowliness and humility that is in one's very being. That one's soul is like dirt to everything, literally. That one does not sense that they possess any virtues at all in anything they do. In other words, what is it like to experience the nothingness of God? In this pure way, that you are, you are also nothing. You are so humble and so lowly that you don't see yourself as having any virtues, any noble characteristics. You're like dirt. And you don't feel yourself at all. I'm going to, he has a, he has a, um, Parentheses here in Yiddish. Minikra Balash in Yiddish Nishkait. This is called in Yiddish um, nothingness. It is garnished ba'etzim. That he's absolutely nothing in essence. Now, this sounds a little bit, um, I would say, disturbing. Okay. What does it mean to be like dirt? I'm serious. What does it mean to be like dirt? What does it mean to this person to feel like dirt? By the way, we ask in the end of the Shemun that we should feel like dirt. So by the way, there's something we dive in for. Why would you, what does it feel like to feel like dirt? Feel the walk over you. Okay. It doesn't feel like anything. So here's, so Chassidim was like this. If you walk over the dirt, does it bother the dirt? No. If you walk over flowers, does it bother the flowers? No. Yeah. yeah, because what happens when you walk on flowers? Yeah. Crushes them. In other words, like this. If you feel... Okay, and this is what he's trying to get at. What is the difference between nishbar v'nidke, broken and crushed because of your sense of God? What he calls a bitl hayesh, negating of yesh. Versus bittel be'etzem, that you are just essentially nothing. What is the difference in these two? And again, these are experiences. Okay. I'm going to start with, with uh, explain what this feels like with, with a story. There was a chassid named Mendel Futtafas. Mendel Futtafas one time met somebody that he'd been in yeshiva with. And... Um, he asked like where he was holding in his learning. And he said that he, he has since they last met in Yeshiva, he learned was, I don't remember the exact details of the story off the top of my head, but it was an incredible amount. An incredible, he had, they learned an incredible amount of things. And when Remendel Fultifas would tell the story over, but he said it without a drop of arrogance and without a drop of humility. Now, what does that mean? Without a drop of arrogance, without a drop of humility. That's right. Just this. Things that just are, they don't need to be reacted to. Okay. Chassidus says, I'm sure everyone knows this, that before the, the sin of the tree of knowledge, the people didn't wear clothing, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Why not? They didn't feel self-conscious. What does that mean? They didn't have a sense of it. Okay, I'm gonna make this much more grounded. Not that what you're saying is wrong, but if we can all be honest, that that those are very like amorphous words. Like, what really? Do you ever feel the need for modesty reasons to cover your hands? Why not? It doesn't feel. It doesn't feel revealing. It doesn't feel revealing. They're just their hands. Okay. Now, does that mean you lack awareness of your hands? No. You lack awareness of what they can do. 
So there's, there's an expression in Chassidus, and I want to spend some time on this, that, that, you, that really needs to be differentiated. It was called Yediyas Atzmai, an awareness of oneself, and har, versus Hargoshas Atzmai, the feeling of oneself. And these are opposites. You, you, you're aware that you have hands, yeah. and you're aware that you can use your hands. Yeah. And how does that make you feel? Doesn't. That's right. It doesn't. Cool. Are you smart? Are you talented? Are you rich? Are you charismatic? I want to say yes to all that. <laughs> uh-huh. So those are things where there's hergishats, Mike. And there isn't just this simply an awareness of the fact that you are that way, right? right. There, if you have to let go of something, if you have to set something aside, if you have to escape something in order to have a sense of God, then in that there is still a sense of that something. And what level of chachma is that? That's the lower chachma, the chachma that brings to the dark fire. But then there's a different sense of chachma altogether. If, you, if, you, if you're just captivated by a sense of the divine nothingness as it is, then things just are because God has made them be as they are. Now, what does that feel like? Is that a painful thing to experience? Is that a painful thing to experience? No. No. Yeah. Is it a pleasurable thing to experience? No. It is. Because uh, here we have to understand something about pleasure. Hergish, feeling yourself, and pleasure contradict each other. Think about this. If you are enjoying something, let's take something a little bit more sublime. You are looking at a beautiful painting in the museum, captivated by it, enchanted by it, Right? And then a voice shows up in your head and says, I'm having a really good time watching, looking at this painting. What just happened? You're not enjoying the experience anymore. What pulls you out of the pleasure is noticing the pleasure. Oh, so true. So if you are, have no hergish atzma, you're not feeling yourself at all, what are you subsumed in? The pleasure of being with God and, and nothing, nothing is worth reacting to. Nothing, not, nothing, nothing moves you. Nothing, it is what it is. Not because you're indifferent. That's the thing. It's not an indifference. It's not like Baba Batanya Yeah. And now there's a sense of God that's just a sense of God. It's not a sense of God being so real and so true that this other stuff has to melt away. This other stuff gets set aside. This other stuff doesn't matter as much anymore. It's not, it's not that. If, he, if, a person, if a person is, actually, I want to say something. I, I want to m- m- emphasize something, which is not explicit here, but I think is important. Is this type of feeling a good thing? To feel this, this lack of hargashas, my sense of your own being, and just having a, this, that, that, this kind of just, the pleasure in things as they are, is that, is that a good thing or a bad thing? That's right, it could be either. Here's the thing. A person can have that kind of experience anytime something fully captivates them, right? I want you to think about this. If you are fully captivated by something, so that like, it's not causing you to let go of and return to and focus on, it's just, that's all there is, right? 
That means you've become completely, at least on a, on, on, on a psychological level, on a subjective level, completely fused in one with that thing. But if that thing is not a good thing, yeah. then that's not good. So if you have this with God, then that's great. But what if you have this some other way? Does it cause you also to lose sense of individuality or no? Like, because that's what I was saying, like when you asked the question originally, that sounds like that's what it could be a bad thing. Let me ask you a question. Why is it so bad to lose a sense of your individuality? I mean, we're obviously... Why? Because we're not, I'm not made to be like everyone else. So, you someone told me why it's bad. What? Why is it bad to lose a sense of your individuality? I guess it's not bad, but it goes against... No, 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 you don't have to backtrack. There's a lot of things that we subscribe to as being good or bad without really interrogating them. What is your individuality? Why is it so important? And why is it important to maintain a sense of it? Well, I just feel like if there wasn't any individual, like, why would we just not be made all the same if we didn't have that? We actually are made all the same in some very profound ways, by the way. So what's individuality? Yeah, but... Okay, so let me answer the question. Do you have wings? What? Do you have wings? No. It would be bad if you went around under the impression that you had wings, right? Yeah, you would that would be bad. Why would that be bad? You would hurt yourself. That's right. Do you have hands? Yeah. It would be bad if you went around with the impression you didn't have hands because? You wouldn't do anything. Right. Okay. Are there ways in which you are a distinct being? And a unique being? Yeah. Okay, whatever they are. Would it be good for you to be unaware of those things? Yes, would it be good for you to be unaware of those things? So if you're unaware of those things, you're going to run into problems. The same way you would run into problems if you think that you have wings and you don't, or you don't think that you have, right? So the awareness of the ways in which you are, and these are actually two elements, that you are a distinct being and a unique being, that awareness is not like a, it's, it's, you know, it's okay, fine. Like, you know, I can't reach for the cup of water without awareness that I have a hand, right? Okay, fine, simple enough. Um, if theoretically you weren't a unique being, like objective, let's say you really weren't a unique being, would it be a big deal? Yeah. No, it wouldn't. But why? Because... If you actually have wings, is it fine to, to think you have wings? Yeah. And if God forbid someone actually doesn't have hands, is it fine for them to think that they don't have hands? So if you actually weren't a unique being, would it be perfectly fine to be aware that you're not a unique being? Okay, so what's the issue? The issue is your uniqueness or your individual being, distinct being and unique being, those two aspects of being an individual. Yeah. I mean, if you are, you are. If you're not, you're not. Why is a sense of worth and accomplishment tied up with that? That's what, that's what's the issue. Would my sense of individuality go away? Well, to the degree you're an individual, I guess you'd be aware that you're an individual. To the degree you're actually not an individual, you would be aware that you're not an individual. Like, I don't know. How individual are you? Interesting question. But whatever the facts of the matter are, I mean, you would be aware that those are the facts. You're not, you don't become ignorant of reality. But it doesn't carry any weight. It doesn't pull you away from a sense of God. Whereas now, <laughs> right? you know, if you can do something that other people can't, you feel pretty good about yourself. Right. And if you can't, you don't feel so good about yourself. And as long as your psyche is operating on that dynamic, can you ever have a, sen- a real sense of God? Yeah. Do you think Moshe Rabbeinu realized that he was unique? No. He didn't realize he was unique? That he was unique, yeah. Yeah, he, yeah. he said that. Was it? He said that. You know what he said? He said, I stand between you and God to give you the word of God. 
I mean, you, you, you kind of have to be <laughs> very much aware. But, yeah, but he was humble. Like, he was why was he humble? Why was he? Rebzush of Anapoli asked the following question. That's one of my favorite stories. Before I tell you what Rebzush of Anapoli asked, I don't tell you something Rebzush of Anapoli said, which everyone loves, but they misunderstand. Rebzush of Anapoli said, Rebzush of Anapoli was a friend of the Alter Rebbe, a disciple of Magad Mizrich, brother of the famous Rebbe Rebelli Melch of Luzhensk. Rebzush of Anapoli said, he was on his deathbed and he was crying, and the student said, why are you crying? It's a famous story. When I go to heaven, they ask me why I wasn't Moshe Rabbeinu. I'll tell them I wasn't Moshe Rabbeinu. They ask me why I wasn't Rabbi Kiva. I'll tell them I wasn't Rabbi Kiva. But when they ask me, Zusha, why weren't you Zusha? What am I going to respond? What am I going to answer? How am I going to defend myself? Everyone loves the story because you have to be true to yourself. And the, you know, the whole body, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Zusha asked his students once, if Hashem gave you the opportunity to switch places with Avraham of you, that you would be Avraham, and Avram would be you, but fully. So like you would experience what Avram experienced. You would have the abilities that Avram has, right? Literally everything, right? And to whatever degree Avram was at peace with being Avram, you would be at peace with being Avram also. Like literally you would get to be him and he would be you. Would you take the deal? Yeah. Why not? You would be him and he would be you. You would experience his life as he did, and he would experience you. experiencing your life. Why that he would be. I've gone to experience your life. What? Why would you want? If someone is, is to stature of. Well, let me ask you. Who, let me ask you a question. Who am I for him to switch with me? No, that's not the question. That's what you want. Okay. Avram got God to speak to him. Avram got to be the father yeah, of the Jewish yeah. people. Yeah, then yes. I, I, think the, I think the overall quality of experience of Avram's life is far richer and deeper profound and a, a, a much more life well-lived than my life. Yeah, but if I'm him, then there's no sense of like, oh, well, this is a better life that I've chosen now. It doesn't matter. It's still objectively better. You're right. You, you're right. You wouldn't get to say, wow, I'm so happy I'm Avram as opposed to Rabbi Coffin. You're right. You wouldn't get to say that, right? But you would still get to be Avram Avinu. Like, why is that a bad... That's a bad. On the other hand, yeah. on the other hand, why, why would you not want it? Because I want to be myself. I also want to be yourself, right? I like myself. I think I'm pretty cool. Okay. <laughs> so that's a question. Like, it's interesting to debate. Yeah. Okay. Rizu Shavanapoli said he didn't understand the question. <laughs> okay, good. Why don't you get it? I don't get it. It just doesn't make sense to me. Like, what, if you're going to be someone else and they're going to be you... It's the same exact thing as it is right now. That's right. Hashem ends up with still one Avraham and one Zusha. So what difference does it make? If my right hand becomes my left foot and my left foot becomes my right hand, what do I end up with? So what does it matter whether you're the right hand or the left foot? But for that, you have to have no hergish, no feeling of your individual self. You can have an awareness that you're an individual, to be your individual. Then do you think the heritage is, is something that's blocking us from having Absolutely. a relationship with God? Absolutely. Then why do we have it? <laughs> now you're beginning, now, you know, if that question really bothers you, yeah, it does. does it bother you intellectually? Or does it bother you in life? Like, like at, one second. One second, let me ask you a question. If, is this going to bother you because you're curious or it actually bothers you to the point that you don't want to feel that you're disturbed by, by what's going on in your by, by like you're having an existential crisis outside of the classroom because of this no I mean I'm sure I'll sleep fine tonight so because if because I want to point out because if you did then you would be experiencing some chachma <laughs> but which chachma would you be experiencing the lower chachma because it's, it's the one that... Right, right. Now you're, now, you're, now you're experiencing what's called intellectual curiosity, which is part of the human desire. You know, so human beings need safety, right? We also need, we also need intellectual cohesion in, our, in, in things. So like, but yeah, that's yeah, not... Okay, well, when I, when I learned what, like, the difference between the animal soul and the godly soul, that really bothered me forever. Yeah, but... So I'm like, but why do have it? But, but, but bother you to the point that, like, you're sitting there and you're thinking, like... 
why? Like, like, forget the book. Like, like in your own life, like, why? Why? Why do I have to like be here and like have to eat and have to go to work and yeah. raise children and have self esteem issues? Like, why? Like, what? what? Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, if you're saying that having her, having individuality doesn't actually matter in the grand scheme of things. No, I didn't say it doesn't. Or it wouldn't be a problem if we, if that like went away. No, it's the hergish we're talking about. You, you are to whatever degree you're an individual, you are. To whatever degree you're not, you're not, right? Okay. It does it matter? The degree to which you're an individual. No. Okay. It is what it is. That's whatever, that's the, the truth of God manifests in reality through whatever degree of individuality you actually have. And that's great. That's fine. It's wonderful. Like, what's the big deal? But you sometimes feel like if I could just be more of an individual. Mm-hmm. By the way, the reverse is also true. You know that desire that people have to like lose themselves in like a kind of spiritual ecstasy by forming groups of people that are having like kind of a sh- shared thing like sports teams or religious experiences or thing that's it's the same thing but the reverse is like now you're getting your hergish your kicks out of what out of losing your it's like you are the degree of individual that you are no more no less like what? now but again there's two elements does the fact that you that this is part of your life does it hurt you does it pain you well, that's the lower chachma or are you just free of it altogether and that's the higher chachma. You feel like being an individual is like a good thing. The more of an individual you are, the better you will be. Do you feel that way? Not necessarily. I didn't say necessarily. Do you feel that way at all? Yeah. Okay, fine. That's, now, if, does that bother you? That you feel that way? No. Okay, if you had chachma, would it bother you? The lower chachma, it would bother you and thus free you of it to a degree. Mm-hmm. The higher chachma, that wouldn't exist. Just wouldn't be, it, just, it, it, it wouldn't be there. So the same Moshe Rabbeinu says, I stand between you and God to tell you the word of God. Mm-hmm. Also, when the people complain to Moshe, it's like, I don't like, what are you complaining to me for? I'm like, <laughs> what, what did I do? I didn't do anything. <laughs> I didn't do anything. Not in a way of like blowing them off, but like really, he didn't understand like, what is your problem with me? Like I'm not, I didn't do it. The, um, that sense, like you, you, you see, again, you can take the sense and see it in other ways that doesn't relate to God. I want to, every experience, by the way, you could have in relation to God, there is a corresponding type of experience just on the human level. Have you ever spoken to someone who, who is like an actual hero? Or ever read, read a story written by an actual hero or mm-hmm. heard an interview of an actual hero, mm-hmm. you, you often find, almost always, that these people are genuinely confused as to why people are making a big deal about them. Yeah. 100%. Because something happens in that kind of heroic experience where they experience a kind of nishkait, eres garnished be'etzim, a nothingness. They're just, they're just essentially nothing. Like, it's not me. It's not me. It's not a... Yeah, it was just, there's a reality, something had to be done, and it happened. I mean, fine, it happened to me, but like, so what? Like, why is that the relevant thing? There was this guy on Simchas Torah who, I don't know if you saw the interview with him, he drove back and forth the entire Simchas Torah and saved 120 people. Yeah. Just a regular farmer. In his pickup truck. In his pickup truck. And he seemed interviewed, and what bothers him, he didn't say more, but he literally does not understand why anybody is impressed with him. And you can see it, like he's not faking, or he's an incredible actor, one of the two. There's another guy, there was a, um, a, a, um, two guys named Avi and Avi and Emmanuel, three people, Avi, Avi and Emmanuel, they are um, from Hatzala. And they got the call of Chostara morning, and um, the, the, the ambulance were always supposed to go up to a place that was deemed safe, and... Um, this Avi guy didn't like, he's like, I don't, I, I don't come here you know, on Shabbos to like, wait, I came here on Shabbos to save people's lives. So he went and literally into the war, into like the, the, the kibbutzim that were still being attacked, taking people out. Um, and at one point they weren't, and, and he, and 
um, there weren't enough ambulances and they're not armored ambulances. Um, and Magadavan Edom wasn't going in. And so he tells the, um, the, what do you call it? The, the dispatcher that, 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 that we have to, uh, we have to bring all the ambulances into, and he says it's, but it's dangerous. And um, the, the, the Avi guy is the main driver. He said, we have, if we go in, we save lives. And there was like a whole, like, um, what do you call it? A, a whole train of, of, of Hatzalah ambulances. And some of these, like, like when they realized where they were going, they started freaking out. Cause like, I didn't sign up for this. Anyway, the whole day with gunfire, the whole thing, um, until like literally they, they like couldn't function anymore and went back like 11 o'clock at night. And they, they interviewed him on Israeli television. You can see the interview and you just, he's, you can see he's like, I mean, that's what, that's what it is. It's got to be done. Like, like, it's not me. Like, and I'm not special. Like, I, why, why was it me? I don't know. It just, that's the way it was. You see that also, like... By the way, I just want to point out, yeah. it says in Hasidus, not here, it says in Mithrabet's in a different place. It says that when a Jew... You know the expression that the... Um, that even the low, even the sinners amongst the Jewish people are filled with like, mitzvahs, like pomegranates are filled with seeds. Yeah, you've heard this expression. Yeah. So the question is, if they're sinners, how are they filled with pomegranates filled with seeds? Um, and so, the the Mitzvah Rebbe says that this means that the sense of the, the, the of the Jewish soul always finds manifestation in a Jew. And even if the Jew is a sinner, and even if the Jew is a heretic and doesn't believe in God, you still see that when it comes to saving other Jews, they'll give exorbitant amounts of money and put themselves in danger for no rational reason that they can't explain even for themselves. And that's the chachm of the godly soul coming out. So you could theoretically have someone who is like objectively speaking, not only is he not like observant and pious, he may even actually not consciously believe in God at all, and the Chachma can still come out. And where does the Chachma come out? When he selflessly devotes his money and his time and even his life to other Jews. And he doesn't even realize, like, it just seems to him like, what, I mean, what, what else? I mean, like, <laughs> he doesn't understand why anyone makes a big deal about it. Right. That's also Chachma. Same Chachma. Mm-hmm. It's not like you have to be on a lofty spiritual level to get Chachma. Yeah, but you also don't necessarily have to experience it that. That's true. That's right. Because like anything, it can be right, it can be more, it can be less. The trick, the trick in in, in, in the path of chassidus is to start being more proactive and constructive and methodical about the chachma, right? Getting it, maintaining it, mm-hmm. ta- utilizing it, etc. The chachma itself, it's not like a. Okay? Um, and again, now, by the way, a person can also have similar kinds of experiences. They don't even have a godly soul, right? So again, the experience of feeling like nothing and it's not me, like that, that's not unique to the godly soul. What's unique to the godly soul is that that comes about through a sen- as a result of sensing the divine nothing. Mm-hmm. And again, how clear that is in your consciousness or not, how stable that is in your consciousness, that, that's what you know, this whole thing is about. Cool? Good? I think this is very interesting stuff. Because what it means is there's an idea that, that we say a lot and, and, and it's true that like we shouldn't judge other people. Why shouldn't you judge other people? You should never stand where they're standing. Okay. What if I was standing where they're standing? It's not possible. It's still like never experience. Never be them. Never experience their experience. with their past and their future. Okay. Can I give you another reason why you shouldn't judge other people? Because yeah. there's always much more going on in a person than any person knows, even about yourself. That person who went back and forth and saved 120 people, does he know that he experienced a part of the divine soul which has a direct sense of God? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So... And once you realize that that's true, maybe that kind of puts his whole rest of his lifestyle in a different perspective. Like maybe the scales are not the way they looked before. It's not like, ooh, this not religious person did this one heroic act. Oh, this divine soul manifests in a pure, 
way that's more profound and more powerful than, than maybe what any, any religious person ever experiences. In other words, once you take this notion of the godly soul and the chachma and the, the soul being the flame of God, right? And taking that really seriously, unless you have some insight into that perspective, judgment is like silly. There's a famous story with the fifth Chabad Rebbe that there was someone who was, who was a very not anti-religious Jewish intellectual who came come to the Rebbe Rishab over Shisimchas Torah because he wanted to... I don't know, see what was happening there or talk to the Rebbe Shab, I'm not sure exactly. And um, the Rebbe Shab spent a lot of time at the Febrengen on Simchas Torah talking to him. And one of the Chassidim, who was quite wealthy and quite a scholar and all these things, he, he, um, he was very put off, you know. He's this person who's not, not part of our group. He doesn't even believe our beliefs. He's not, he's, he actually is actively working against a lot of things in Judaism. And the Rebbe is spending all this time with him and he's ignoring us. And he was very you know, um, disturbed by this. Anyway, after Yom Tov, the he comes, into the, comes to the Rebbe Shab for a private meeting, and this person was a diamond merchant. And so the Rebbe Shab asks him if you have any of the diamonds, and he takes out this pouch of diamonds, he lays them out, and the Rebbe Shab picks up the biggest diamond and says, this is probably the most valuable diamond. And... He's, you know, doesn't want to correct the Rebbe. He says, actually, no, this time he picks up a medium-sized diamond. This is the most valuable one, right? Because it's not just the size. There's other factors to the diamond. The Rebbe looks and says, I don't see what's so special about the diamond. And he says, Rebbe, you have to have a certain uh, expertise to judge diamonds. So Rebbe Shab says, you have to have a certain expertise to judge souls. Unless you're working from the perspective of the soul First, do you have any sense of even where to start judging someone else? It's a much more profound idea than, oh, I don't know what they're experiencing. Even you can't judge yourself. Unless you really have insight into the perspective from the soul down. If he did know? Yeah, if he did know, does that negate if he, anything? If he didn't know what? If he knew that that part of him was his natural peace. Do you know what do you know what would happen if he knew that? Uh, he no. <laughs> no. <laughs> if he knew that there would be nothing to judge? No, if he knew that. One of two things would be the case. Either he would know that in a way that he felt good about it, in which case, which love of Chachma is that? And it would, and then so it would become this bittersweet, I feel it, and it become this kind of, and he'd be racked with this kind of existential crisis and seek out spiritual healing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or alternatively, he wouldn't be remotely impressed by it. And if that lasts for any extended period of time, he's probably a rabbit. <laughs> okay? Because... <laughs> you understand? Like, it's not... But it doesn't... Being in, in tune with that doesn't negate anything from... No, but there's a way in which that often awareness turns into being impressed by it. Yeah, that's what I'm asking. Like... So, and then what happens? So it becomes complicated. And a person... that This is where Pearson feels spiritually trapped and conflicted and they need guidance, they need help and, you know, all those kinds of things. Yeah. Um, it still doesn't, it, it, so it means that now they can't, even, they still can't judge themselves because now they're completely confused about themselves. <laughs> it's not like knowledge is now, oh, now I know. And again, if you have that awareness in a way that you can have that awareness in, in total peace, right, then, then, you're, then you're someone who has an insight into souls. You have an expertise in souls and not like an intellectual expertise, like, and, you know, you could probably, you know, yeah. probably some level of divine inspiration. You could be a Rebbe and, like, all the other stuff. I don't know. It's out of my, out of my league. Yeah. Like, the Baal Shem Tov said that the simplicity of simple Jews touches, reflects the simplicity of God. Do you know the last people in the world who believe that? Simple the simple Jews. <laughs> Anyone goes around saying, I'm, like, the simple Jew. You're not the simple Jew, okay? <laughs> the simple Jew is the person who feels like they have nothing going for them and that somehow doesn't take away from the little bit of Judaism that they do. 
You understand what I'm saying? Like the person, the, the minute the person can like take a certain measure of satisfaction in their simplicity. Yeah. Okay. And this is what's written. In the heart of every wise person's heart, I have given wisdom. Which is an interesting thing, right? That you put wisdom to someone who's already wise. If you're already wise, why do you need wisdom? Or as our sages say, you give wisdom to the wise. Well, if you're already wise, you don't need to receive wisdom, right? Or similarly when we say, my soul should be like dirt. Then my heart will be open to your Torah. In other words, like this, what he's saying, there's the chachma that makes you capable of receiving the higher level of Chachma, right? In other words, it's not like you... When you experience Chachma, when you experience um, that kind of being nothing, then you're able to have an awareness of the truth, right? Those two things go together. Or like we say at the end of Davide, we should be like dirt, and then we're, we will really be able to perceive the truth of the Torah. And it's through this Chachma, the title of Chachma, we draw out the inner Chachma, which is the idea of the revelation of God, which shines from a hidden being of God to every soul, which is the, which is the, which is the, 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 the pure light itself. This is the light that is implanted for the upper tzaddik. It's the white radiance. Which causes a person to experience um, this, this great blissful love that consumes their soul completely. Or returning to God with, being, um, with, with total devotion. In other words, there's no notion of overcoming, no notion of, of kind of being crushed or broken or contrite, right? Those, those qualities don't exist anymore. It's just pure. And this is due to the oil being consumed. She's a nishabar, sucked into the light. This is like humility. When you're, when you're really humble, you just slip into whatever it is, whatever's real, whatever's true, then you're just part of that. You don't have to keep checking in. You know this thing like when you're doing something, you're checking in sometimes with yourself and other people get feedback like, am I doing good? Am I doing good? Yeah, I'm on the right path. Get that feedback, that self-assurance, that pat on the back. You can't just, like, it's like, it's like wood burning. When wood is burning, it's like, am I burning? Crackle, crackle, yeah, I'm burning. Crackle, crackle, oh yeah, I'm burning. When oil burns, pure oil, what it burns, there's no sound, there's no smoke, there's just, it slips into what is. Um, it's, the, it's, it's the actual true nothingness of godliness. It's this that creates the, that makes the purity of the supernal light, and it's proportional to the purity of the oil. The more you lack that sense of yourself, the purer your sense of the truth of God will be. Okay? So we see that the Koyach Ma has both colors hidden deeply in it. The white radiance and the dark radiance. And through this it comes out from a hidden into revealed state in the soul. And this is sufficient for those who understand. Okay. And then he adds in parentheses that this is not just true on an individual soul, so too in the kind of soul of all of reality, but Beis Gavni Urhanad also has both the clause, as it says explicitly in the Zayre, then we say, God, do not be quiet. This is the idea how the lower light calls constantly to the upper light. In other words, this, is, this dynamic that plays out between our, our souls and our sense of God also plays out in the kind of the divine sphere of Malchus. I'm not going to explain that, but you should just know that what's happening to us is a microcosm of that, the dilemma, that's sufficient understanding. Okay, now.
that kind of sets up the basic structure, right? So now we have kind of clear what's the oil, what's the wick, what's the dark fire, what's the white fire, how both the two types of fire are facilitated by the oil, right? Kind of have a kind of a structure to the to the nimshal, to the analog, to the analogy. Okay. Um, I want to tell you something that the Rebbe Rishab says in a sicha, in a talk that he gave. Um, it's a brief summary, but I think it's, it's, it's very, I'm going to briefly summarize it, but I think it's, it's, it's very impactful. Okay. He says, this is based on statements of our sages, that there are four levels. There's a tzaddik, a righteous person. There's a yashar, an upright person, which is on a higher level. There's a tamim, a sincere person, which is even a higher level, and there's a chassid, which is the highest level. Mm-hmm. Right? And he, tzaddik, yashar, tamim, chassid. Okay. What is a tzaddik? So he says a tzaddik is someone like a wheat farmer. They have wheat, and what do they do with the wheat? They invest it in the ground, and what do they get back? More wheat. And it doesn't take a long time, and it doesn't take a lot of work. This is someone who feels a closeness to Hashem, a genuine closeness to Hashem. And because they feel close to Hashem, they would like to be closer. closer. And that, so that, that creates this kind of, the closest motivates them towards, a, towards wanting to be closer. So we have their experience we call love. And that love gets channeled into the positive mitzvahs. And then th- through the positive mitzvahs, they feel even closer. And that's having a nice virtuous cycle. And that's already, like, if that's your life, if that's, like, what really describes who you are as a person, that's pretty amazing. That's the lowest level. That's the tzaddik. That's not the tzaddik as it's defined in Tanya. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. In other words, I'm a Jew. I feel close to God. I want to be closer. What will make me feel closer? Doing mitzvahs. I do mitzvahs. Now I feel closer. I want to be closer. Still, it's not, you know, good. Then there's a yasher. Yeah. Then there's a yasher. A yasher is like someone who has apple seeds and plants an apple orchard. What they have is not very good. It, it's dry, it's seeds. They invest it in the ground. They work for a hard and for a long time. What they end up with? Something categorically different, apples, and that produces forever and ever and ever and ever. So this is somebody who has a sense of how everything in life Everything in life could be a contradiction to God, and you have to be very careful that you're never going against God. That you have a sense of the real transcendence of God, the real power of God. And your whole life is this motivated by the sense of the need to surrender to God. And that gets channeled into what kind of mitzvahs? The negative mitzvahs. And that's not an enjoyable experience, is it? Like seeds. Seeds are not like you know, apple seeds. But after a lot of work of that, you get a sense of God that's infinitely richer and infinitely greater than could ever possibly had by the person who just loves God. Then you have the Tamim. The Tamim is a person who is sincere. That there, this is a person who has a sense that God is just supposed to be part of every part of our life. And so everything that they do, everything is just with, a, with, with this kind of sim- simple sense of God is with us. And he, by the way, says, this is something you can't really develop. The first you could develop. You either have this or you don't, this, this third level. And this comes, from a sense of, this comes from a sense how God isn't limited to a specific form. God isn't found there or here. God is everywhere. Because God is everywhere. Everything you do, you're doing with God. That's, that's a much deeper level. Then there's the chassid. What's the chassid? He says the chassid is defined by heder hargashas atzmai, a lack of feeling himself. And this is a quote. He takes supernal light, meaning not that light shines upon him from above, but he, with his own efforts, takes hold of the supernal light. And because this light is beyond him, it causes him to lose a sense of himself. In other words, the chassid is the person who makes their life about encountering God 
And when you're really encountering God, what goes away? And so what is he trying to achieve? Closeness to Hashem through positive mitzvahs? Closeness to Hashem through negative mitzvahs? Closeness to Hashem because Hashem is with me and everything? Because Hashem is everything. He's, he is imbuing his life with a sense that all there is is Hashem, and that's the truth of his life. Then the Rebbe goes and says how there's three levels of chassid. One level is available to everybody. One level is available only to very special people. And one level is, you know, like one person or two in a generation. But, yeah, yeah, yeah this is. So, it, that quality is what it's all about. Make sense? Mm-hmm. Right. So you, in other words, you can almost like take chassidus and distort it when you learn chassidus and chassidus becomes your project. That's what, what, what he's saying. You learn chassidus, you learn how like when you do mitzvahs, you're close to Hashem. And so now you want to be close to Hashem so that you can have that thing of being close to Hashem. It's not going to, and not going to it's not going to work. But on some level, it's not going to work. <laughs> and even if you learn about loftier things, like, you know, being close to Hashem through negative mitzvahs, which is a much profound idea, or this idea that, you know, at the end of the day, when you have this desire to feel like I have accomplished this thing, I have met my goal of being close to God in whatever way, shape, or form, what are you not actually sensing? You're not really sensing the I and key. not really sensing the, the nothingness of God. Because to sense the nothingness of God is what? Is through the Chachmah. In other words, either you're sensing how, you, how yourself is getting in the way or you're not sensing yourself at all. Those are the, right, those are two levels of Chachmah. Okay, so the one you just said, wait, if you feel like I've accomplished this, you're not even the lower level of Chachmah. That's right. Okay. The lower level of Chachmah, you feel like you're getting in your way. Like you keep tripping over your own... Like you're... Even even when you're buttle, the fact that even when you're even when you're given over, even when you've surrendered, even when it's not about this, it, it it's still about how it's not about this. It, you, you 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 all that you have is that sense of frustration with with the hergeshatzme, and then the higher one is the sense there's just no hergeshatzme. But if your spiritual growth is feeding the Hergeshatzme. <laughs> so I'll tell you one other story I wanted to hear and then next week we can continue. There was a chassid. This is a, a not nice story. There was a chassid who came to to the, the Mithla Rebbe and he, the Mithla Rebbe asked him how his spiritual service is going. He says, it's going very well. There's a tiny problem. I have a little Hergeshatzme. I'm, I'm growing, I'm learning, I'm diving, doing all these things. But I feel a certain sense of, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm achieving it. I'm becoming, you know, I'm becoming closer to God. So that's a bit of a problem. But otherwise, everything's okay. So the mentor says, I want to tell you a story. There was the primordial snake in the Garden of Eden, who is the essence and embodiment of pure evil. And he convinced Adam and Chava to eat from the, sin, the tree of the knowledge of And then the snake comes back to God and says, I have a problem. They figured me out. Like, I can't, can't do the same trick twice. Right? The, the, you know, I can't come back as this Nachash HaKadmaini, the primordial snake, and convince them to do more evil. So God says, not a problem. From now on, you'll be called the Malach HaMavis, the angel of death. And the fear of death will motivate people to engage in evil. When people are afraid of... What causes people to do evil? They're afraid of their own mortality. Most people don't set out, I'm going to do evil things. They set out... I don't want bad things to happen to me, which is really just manifesting immortality. And, and the way I'm going to avoid the bad things happening to me is I'm going to do things. But then came Avraham and he revealed that God runs the world. And like, you know, you can't avoid death by, by, going, by, by going against God. That doesn't work. So the Malachim of us came back to God. He says, now no one's, going to, no one's going to be tempted by me. No one's going to buy into my, what I have to offer. So God says, it's not a problem. From now on, we'll call you the Yetzirah, the evil inclination. You will make sin seem delightful and pleasurable, alluring, um, alluring, right? And that worked. 
until, until the Torah was given. And the Torah was given, revealed the truth that, 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 that when you do good, you're choosing life. And when you do bad, you're choosing death. And you know, poison that tastes like candy is poison nonetheless. And then the angel, then the Yitzhar comes back and says, look, <laughs> no one's buying my product. And so the, um, the, God says, no problem. From now, we're going to call you the animal soul. Like you're just you're just being normal. You're taking care of yourself, right? You're not like you're not doing evil. You're not you're not lustful. You're just you're, you know like you know you gotta eat. You gotta sleep. You gotta make money. You gotta you gotta do normal things. You're a person, right? And he says, and that worked for a long time until the Baal Shem Tov came and revealed that a Jew is supposed to be a godly being. And now the the animal soul comes back to God and says, no one's buying my product. No one wants to be an animal. Now they know they should be godly. And so he says, now we're going to call you Hergeshayesh. Now we're going to call you a sense of self. And Mithlerba says, your Hergeshatsma, your sense of yourself, is the animal soul, which is the Sahara, which is the angel of death, which is the snake, which is the embodiment of pure evil. You have a very big problem. And the chassid, chassid heard it, not like you heard it, much more powerfully, and he fainted. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you one other thing. What happens if you try to, what happens if you try to fight the hergish? This goes back to the thing I said about the Rebbe What happens if you try to get rid of the hergish atzma? It gets bigger. It gets bigger. You don't get rid of it by fighting it. You get rid of it through chachma, through being enchanted and captivated by God. You understand? Like, like that's what chassidus is, is. So if you learn Tanya and you don't do that, you don't get there, you can like end up distorting everything. Good? Okay. I, I really have to go, but I do have to say one other thing. One thing that the Rebbe innovated is this idea of shlichus. And what is shlichus in a nutshell? No sense of self. Shlichus is someone else's Judaism is more important than mine. Less as important as mine. And I don't defer, I don't give preference to my Judaism over someone else's Judaism. So what does living a life of shlichus facilitate? Chachma. It's not just to help the other person. It actually does what? If you live a life of shlichus, that draws the chachma, makes it more available to you. Which is what the Rebbe says, that if you want to be able to, to have a sense of God, you have to give other people a sense of God. Because your sense of God comes from? Chachma. What technique do you have to help draw the chachma into your psyche? when you live your life in such a way, uh, based on the principle that someone else's Judaism is no less important than your own Judaism. That's, that's a, one of the innovations of the Rebbe in Chassidus. The, this memory goes into more going on a contemplative approach, but, but the, everything in Chassidus touches on this point. That's why this is called the, the Aleph base, the fundamentals of Chassidus. All right, we'll hold it here.